0: Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. It is so good to be with you this morning. Uh, We are are in week two of the new sermon series, and I'm so thankful that you're here. Um, If you are new with us, uh, my name is Greg McHaney, my wife and I are the lead pastors here at Glory Church, and um, we are taking this one stride at a time. Uh, We are a, a rather new church. We just launched our first service in February, and so as you know, 2020 has been a year Um, a year, but we are still here week in and week out, and I'm honored to have you. Today, as you've probably heard already, we are having something called a vision lunch, a vision lunch, and uh, we do this periodically over the uh, course of the season, and the reason is because uh, I fully believe that a church will not continue to grow, or uh, a church won't be powerful in the city if the people don't know the core vision the reason they meet. I mean, there's one reason and one reason only that we want to give God glory, yes, but we're also here and I believe that the local church is the answer to our city. Um, and so, hands in, hands down, our uh, vision statement is that we see a city changed by homes that are changed. So, if you are new or maybe have never been to one of our vision lunches, I would invite you to come. Stick with us. It's free food afterwards. And my promise to you is that it will be well under an hour long of your time, okay? My promise to you. Um, so, join us right after the service. But uh, this morning, we are in week two of a series that we've called... Uh, Waiting, The Watch, all about this idea of waiting, and I don't know if uh, you were able to be with us last week, or maybe you listened in on the Glory podcast, but the season of waiting is a real thing, where you feel like you're just stuck in between, where you feel like uh, God is is present, but also unseen, where it's just a not yet feeling, this this constant feeling of, um, I am in limbo. Anyone ever been there where you just feel like life is in limbo, where you don't know what's going on? This whole series we've been diving in, there's a beautiful passage, if you remember, uh, where James writes, he says, beloved, be patient, just as the farmer is is patient on the crop, that seed that was planted to be a harvest, so too, you must be patient. So this morning, we're going to get into it, and uh, I'll tell you, though waiting may differ, you're waiting, maybe you're waiting on a job. Maybe you're waiting on a a season to change. Maybe you've just been stuck in discovering your purpose. Whatever it may be, as we talked about last week, uh, that idea of waiting, though maybe different in purpose, it has some very similar seasons attached to it, stages attached to it. We all, in, when you're in a waiting season, you had a desire, a longing, a, an impulse, a heart change, a prayer, a, a longing for, for something to be answered, and you sowed that seed, right? This is dirt, if you can't see, and you sowed that seed, regardless of what it is, we're all in the wait. And so the second part, you'll see that it's pretty progressive. Progressions of the waiting season, though they differ in details, they're similar. Stage two of it is where we're finding us this morning, and it's called, we can name it, the watch. So last week, we just talked strictly about the wait, and now we're in the watch. And I'll tell you, the watch is really hard, because if if you're anything like me, I'll tell you my biggest advice, like I said last week, is that I am so impatient. Anyone else? I'm so impatient. God, I want this answer. I've already given you the prayer. I've already given uh, you, you this, this time. Like, where is it? You want to see change? You want to have answers? You want the yes or no? All of these things. Impatience comes in the wait, And I wrote some things down. That this is a time of growing impatience also. And it begins to dictate our prayers. If you're anything like me, sometimes it's like, Hey God, if you'll just tell me what to do, I'll do it. Like, if you just give me, like, an answer, I'll do it. Hey, God, if you just, like, give me a yes or no or an open door, I'll walk it. And often in the wait, when the seed is still under and nothing is up, we just want to do something. But can I tell you, this next stage, I need you to know this, that the watch is not about what we can do or accomplish. It's about everything we can see. Did you hear me? The watch is not about what we can do or accomplish. It's about what we can see, what we can visibly see. And and I will tell you, that's one of the hardest things to do, because when we are in the watch, we want to do something. But it's not about what we can do or accomplish. It's about what we can see. In uh, 1 Kings, I don't know if you know much about uh, the Old Testament, but the people of Israel are constantly in seasons of waiting. Um, in First Kings, there's a drought that was cast on uh, the people. And I just want to sit in this because if you um, know anything about hunger, you know nothing about what it's like to hunger in a season of drought. Like I can even imagine the inability to even have food because there's no water to make anything alive so that you can eat it and provide for your family and and, and grow and have the money. And and this is happening in our passage today. First Kings, there's this drought that happens in the land and the people of Israel are struggling and the prophet Elijah is a really beautiful uh, detail, a really beautiful story of how we can learn to wait. And he's finding himself in a stage of the watch. And in fact, if you want to open up, it'll be up here, but we're going to dive into 1 Kings chapter 17, because the watch is not about what you can do. It's about what you can see. And so the word of the Lord came to Elijah in 1 Kings 17 saying, go from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the Wadi Cherith, which is just a little river, a stream, which is east of the Jordan River. You shall drink from the Wadi and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. And he lived by the Wadi Cherith, uh, which is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. I don't know if birds have ever brought you food, but um, that would be nice. And he drank from the Wadi. But get this verse 7. After a while, the Wadi dried up, because there was no rain in the land, the drought. And then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Go now to Zerubbath. Where uh, which belongs to Sidon and live there, for I commanded a widow there to feed you. Now, I, hear me when I when we open this it's a lot of verses, but this this God given word from Elijah in this waiting period to not do anything, but instead to go wait and watch what He's going to provide. Now, I think this is the hardest thing because uh, He commands him to retreat to a stream, and it's like He's saying, "This, go and be present." for my provision. Go and be present for my provision. Go there, and I will provide. And if you saw, it's out of his comfort zone, by a stream. It's out of his, his way, and there he is fed by ravens. But I love this, because as he gets comfortable, did you catch what happens? The watch seems to change, because now he's banking on the ravens to feed him food, but God just wants him to watch for his provision, the provider's hand. And so the raven's stop, the water river dries up, and he's told to go somewhere else. He says, go and be fed by a widow. Wow. Now, I want you to do this. The watch is about seeing and trusting the provider not banking on or not even getting stuck in the details. Can I, can I say that again? The watch is about seeing the provider, not, not banking or, or getting stuck in the details. Uh, and I will tell you, the devil is in the details, right? Like the devil it often is in the details. Um, so Elijah's told to wait, and then birds start feeding him, and God starts providing, and then they go. I bet it's because in the comfort sometimes we can get a little complacent. And God wants us to realize and remember that watch is about all the provider's doing, not what provision he's giving us. And well, this will make sense as we go in, but we often like to allow the, the details of it to distract us from what God is even doing. Because we're like, where's the ravens now? But the provider is the one that we are to be looking for. And I will tell you, it's in the weight, this is in our hearts, but it's in the weight where the watch comes in and it's hard. Yeah. So let's look at this little metaphor. If you were with us, right, James says, as the farmer waits for the precious crop of the soil, so you too must wait. As a farmer waits for the rains, you too must wait. So a farmer, you better believe he's watching. Yeah. He knows how to watch. He, he, he put the, so- the seed in the soil, and now he knows to watch. There's not much I can do other than take note of all the doings happening all around me and being being present for it. And so every day, the farmer's going to show up. There's little to do right now in the season, but he's going to show up and be present. And he's going to start taking note of the consistencies going on. The sun is still shining. The do is falling. He's taking note of all these small little provisions because, then, yeah, the harvest hasn't come, but he's watching for the little provisions that God is doing yeah. and he's believing you see, the watch is so hard because we can start getting a little frustrated yeah. in the watch. I'll tell you why. Uh, taking note of God's provisions is really difficult because there's a little bit of this watching and anticipation versus watching and obsession. I'll say that again, a little bit of watching and anticipation versus obsession. There's a big difference. Anticipation is like, God, you are moving and I believe you are and I I, I, I trust you. And expectation guards us. It guards our thoughts because we're like, I, I'm anticipating you to move. And then there's obsession. Any obsessors in the room? An obsessor is the farmer that starts thinking, I did my part. When are you going to start doing yours, God? Like, I did my part. The obsessing farmer can start saying, uh, did I do it too soon? Did it, did it, is it happening? Like, is the heat of the day, should I add my own shade over the ground? Like, is the ground going to get too hard? The obsessive farmer loses sleep over something that he can't even in control of. Yeah, do you obsess? Right, yeah, wow. I obsess. Mm-hmm. I get stuck on, okay, God, I'm waiting for you to do things, but it's not how I want, and I start thinking, and all my thoughts get, get uh, controlled by this, where you're to watch an anticipation, the enemy really gets us to watch an obsession. And obsession can drive us. You wanna know the difference between this? A clear distinction is where anticipation prays during the watch. Obsession complains. Think about it. Anticipation praise during the watch. God, you are at work and I believe it. God, you are at work and I believe it. This dew on the ground is softening the soil and it will not, like it will not be hurt by the sun rays. God, you are at work and I praise you, and I, I'm thankful for you. Anticipation praise during the watch. Even like all the worries, God, I'm worried that I did this wrong. Mm-hmm. But anticipation praise during the watch, obsession complaints. Complaints. I don't know about you, but as a constant complainer, I'm here a lot. Complaints like, I'm tired. I'm stressed. I've just got so much to do. I'm worried. I I have just too much on my mind. I can never do anything. Uh, I just want to change, but it's not. You maybe don't know if you complain? Ask the person next to you who's with you all the time. Like, I, I might say I don't complain very often, but my wife's like, Greg, I give you a list of four complaints that I've heard over and over and over because in the wait, complaining will constantly ruin our praise. Complaining will constantly, and we complaints are not prayers. A list of complaints to the Lord is going to damage your watch because the watch is all about uh, praying with anticipation, seeing His provision, not obsessing over if the Ravens are going to come and they're ten minutes late this time. Is He going to work? But 10 minutes late this time, is he going to work? Obsession will always destroy it. Uh, I will tell you, uh, when I wrote this down, if I were to write down all of my complaints, I bet they would reveal a few things that I struggled to wait for. And I think this is a powerful way that the enemy is probably worried about you waiting in anticipation on those things. And so the voice of complaint has been on you more. So just have a question. Have you... Uh, Here's a, here's a real question. What is the voice that you've been in working through the past week? Is it a voice of prayer or a voice of complaint? Prayer. A voice of prayer or a voice of complaint? I will tell you, our complaints will always showcase maybe what the enemy wants us to not be watching for. Exactly. So take note of that, all right? Take note of that. Because in, in Israel, obsession kept getting their, their better judgment. Obsession kept getting their go-to response. And so it was this beautiful... Um, an ugly spiral that constantly happens throughout the Old Testament, right? People, the Israelites would uh, love God, turn to Him, change their ways, the rain would come, and then they would get comfortable, complacent in the provision, look at the provision versus the provider, and then the drought would come. And then they would be complaining, and then God would bring in someone else, right? Like the same thing happens over and over in Scripture. And there's one beautiful time when Jeremiah got tasked to be the voice of God, while the people of God were in a waiting, a watching season. So I will tell you, this is, we're about to read Jeremiah chapter 2, and nothing positive came from Jeremiah's mouth to to the people of Israel, but I think we can positively learn from this, all right? So this is a little heavy, but it says in Jeremiah chapter 2, this guy had it hard sometimes, the word of the Lord, it says, came to me. Jeremiah saying, go and proclaim in the hearing of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord, these people are waiting and it's gone to complaining. And this is the word of the Lord. I remember the devotion of your youth, your love as a bride, how you followed me in the wilderness and the land that was not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord the first fruits of his harvest. So hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and all the families of the house of Israel. This is what the Lord says. What wrong did your ancestors find in me? That they went far from me. If you know anything about the people of Israel, what wrong did your ancestors find in me? That they started complaining about me. We should go back to to Egypt. I wish we were going back. Constant complaining is throughout. And it says, And they went after worthless things and became worthless themselves. Through Jeremiah, God is saying, hey, I remember when you followed me. What happened to you? Why did you not forget? Like, why did you not remember? I remember, and I wonder how many times he said this to me, because in the waiting, we can often be led astray, but then he continues, and I want you to get the wording of this. Jeremiah continues, and he says, the Lord says they did not say, the people of Israel did not say, where is the Lord who brought us out of Egypt? who led us in the wilderness, in the land of the deserts and in pits, in pits, in a land of drought and deep darkness, in a land where no one passes through, where no one lives, and he continues, the priests did not say, where is the Lord? Those who handled the law didn't know me, because they didn't say, where is the Lord? The rulers transgressed against me, and the prophets prophesied to Baal, another God, and went after things that do not profit. Now I'll say this long passage Because through Jeremiah, God says that the people of Israel, twice, didn't say, where is the Lord? Where is the Lord? They didn't say, where is the Lord? In other words, they were not watching for him. They were not watching for him. And now this is also a very specific context. I need you guys to get this because this is where a watch goes wrong. haywire. Because he wanted them to ask, where is the Lord, right? Put that that slide up. Who brought us from the land of Egypt? Who led us in the wilderness? In other words, they were supposed to say, where is the Lord right now? Who actually took us from a heartache and brought us here, that Lord? And I'll tell you what this is doing. This is separating my idea of the divine genie who's going to do everything I want right now from the real God who provides. This is the difference. Are you ready? The watch is about watching for the Lord who... Not the genie to do stuff. The Lord who did stuff. And so think about this. The, the people did not say, Where is the Lord who brought me through this? And so in their watch right now, they were discounting. Did you realize that they were brought through a land where no men could walk? And now in their, their struggle right now, they're overlooking the God who's still with them. The Lord who? Where is the Lord who? They were complaining about the Lord while discounting all of the favor that he has had. And I think this is why. Are you ready? Take notes on this. There's some, this, is mid, this is psychologically. Our eyes will always see what our thoughts are dwelling
1: on.
0: Our eyes will always see what our thoughts are dwelling on. Do uh, want me to picture this for you? I have a seven-year-old daughter who at the beginning of the day, if Trey thinks it's going to be a bad day, then she's going to find every little detail of the day that supports her. case, Think about that. Also, some of you, you have had some really hard times in your marriages. So last month's issue that you guys talked through, and you make compromises and work toward if you do not change your thinking on your spouse, you're still going to find every reason why they didn't change. Because we will always find things. And so this is the hardest thing is because as we see God, we will always see things that we're thinking about. And if you think about the provider who's providing in every way you want him to, you're going to miss the provider. Because he's providing in every way that you need him to. You're saying, where is the Lord to do this for me versus where is the Lord who has done? Because that shows me and reminds me of his character. That reminds me of his character. And my thoughts will always dwell... For my eyes will see what my thoughts are always dwelling on. And if I'm trying to add different characteristics to God, then I'm going to miss him. And I will be bitter. I will start complaining. I will start being overwhelmed. You see, uh, I wrote this down. We need to ask that question, where is the Lord who? And I want it to be up in your, in your mind again. Where is the Lord who? Because for Israel, think about what that would have done. If Israel would have asked, where is the Lord who? Then they would have been able to say, okay, if God led me, us, our people, through a place where no one has been able to walk, then maybe the very reason I can breathe today is the fact that the Lord who saved me is providing. And think about how that changes. Yeah, he's not doing what we ask him to do, right? He's not doing what we've been waiting, but the fact that the ground is still nurtured, he's here. Because for the farmer, the Lord who provided last year, the Lord who, 10 days after I thought it would happen, he still gave us tenfold. He, the farmer can take, state stories of all the provisions of the Lord in the past. And so as he looks at the ground, he says, well, you remember that time when we thought nothing was happening, but we trusted and that it did happen? So where's the Lord who did that? Yeah. Not where's the Lord to grow this right now? Right. There's a very big difference in the heart, the anticipation, right. the motives... Where is the Lord who? I want you to say that right now with me. Where is the Lord who? Can you say that? Ready? Where is the Lord who? Often I say, "Where is the Lord who?" God, why aren't you? Why aren't you doing this? But I will tell you, this will shed away all of my expectations, my unrealistic expectations. When I say, "Where is the Lord who?" Because then I'm reminded, in my own life, God has led me through some. Some pretty heavy things. Yeah,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. He's led me through death. Yeah. I've somehow been able to have peace despite trials. Jesus. Right. I've somehow been able to to uh, see God move in ways, and, and in the past, in, in looking back, I can see the Lord who provides. Yeah. And sometimes it gets so clouded that I had these unrealistic expectations and it never happened like that. Mm -hmm. Like the Lord who provided when my mom died and I had hope, it was never in the way that I thought. So Greg, shed those unrealistic unrealistic expectations now because that's not how it worked then. You're looking for a genie, not the Lord who. But it continues, like, where's the Lord who brought me through that? That's going to shed away the shell
1: of all your selfish opinions or your biased thoughts. Or I also wrote this down, where's the Lord who provided for my inability? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because that's going to take away the stereotypical feeling that you have, maybe as a man, that you have to be strong. Because the Lord, if he provided for your inability then, where's the Lord to do that now? Yeah. And often we think we have to be controlled right now. No, where's the Lord who helped me then? It reminds us of his characteristic and yeah. allows us to apply his characteristics onto now, not, not his provision, of how it was then, but who he, would, who he is. Yeah, I, I mean, if, if Elijah were to go into that new town and expect the uh, the ravens to come, he would be missing it. Yeah. Because God wanted him to constantly remember, as you keep going, where is the Lord who? Who provides? Because I will. But it's not about the provision, it's about me, the provider, being there. You see, those memories would have given the, the Israelites if the priest would have said, where is the Lord Who? It have given the Israelites a renewed trust, a voice to pray, yeah. some thankfulness to, to orchestrate in their heart. And I will tell you, it's the same thing with you. If you began saying, where is the Lord? Who? If you approached your waiting, your watch with, where is the Lord? Who delivered me then? Because he's here now. What's going to happen is you're going to get this framework in your thinking. Where you won't run away and over analyzing situations, you won't run away in complaints. Anyone ever stay up really late at night overanalyzing everything? Yeah. Because you wish want to maybe speed things up. Yeah. If we were to stop saying, God, when are you going to do this? to start saying, Where are you? Who has done it?
1: Yeah.
0: I think it's gonna provide us with this framework yeah. of how to live, enjoy amidst the weight. It's going to give us this framework of of not running away or spiraling down in bitterness because you're looking for the real God. Not the one that you think will be here and should be here, but the real one who is. And so obviously the Israelites didn't get that because it continues. And for a second time, and I want to press into this because for a second time, Jeremiah has to go and say this, the priests did not say, where's the Lord? Those who handle the law. In other words, those who set the decrees, those who who make the changes in the land, they didn't even see me and say, where was I? And so they started doing things that didn't profit. Started leading people to do things that don't profit. So I will tell you, sadly, when we get stuck in impatience, and I've been here many times, when you get stuck in impatience and you do not reorient your, your life around the God who is here, and you're expecting God to do things here. You get impatient and bitter, something will happen. You begin to work outside of the weight. Yeah. Now I need that to sit in, you begin to work outside the weight. And what that means is you start forcing answers. I like to manipulate the odds because I can do things a little quicker than God sometimes, right? I like to manipulate the situation. I like to force uh, production. I like to force things. I like to force conversations. I like to force answers, force things to happen. Some of you like to force happiness or force pleasure, or you like to force growth. And you see, what happens when we do not wait and say, where is the Lord? When we do not watch for him, we will inevitably begin working. And so the people of Israel, scripture says, they begin working. Because human reason said, if uh, you're thirsty, there's rain that comes, and you can dig out cisterns, tanks, and catch it. So all of the priests began leading the people. What we need to do, guys, is we will start. We will start praising the God of Baal. And here's some real things that you guys can do. Are you ready? Here's some ways to get your hands dirty. We're gonna we're gonna dig up. The ground. We're going to create tanks so that we can have water when it comes. Does that sound good? And everyone's all up for it and they're, they're ready because they've been waiting for far too long. And this is something tangible that they can grasp. But the watch is not about what you can do. But it says this Jeremiah 3, 12, uh, chapter 2, verse 13. My people have committed two evils, they have forsaken me, in the fountain of living water. And they dug out for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water. You see, what typically happens is we start giving our time to projects that we think will speed up the process, but really nothing happens. And we blame God for it. But really, my people have forsaken the fountain of living water. I gave them rain that they could drink then, but they thought they had to store it up because they didn't trust me. They thought that they had to do it on their own So they didn't get any of it. It was broken. And so they dug, dug, and dug and did some hard work and had some stressed out moments. And they thought uh, they were saying, all right, this is worth it. This is good, but it had no profit. So I'll tell you this. I I wrote this down because I've had many moments like this. You will know when you are here working outside the weight. when you go to bed and you've done a whole lot of things today, crossed off a whole lot of things on your list, and yet you feel this word unfulfilled. Mm-hmm. Unfulfilled. When you go to bed and you've got your hands dirty by building it, digging out those cisterns, and you, you're like, I'm doing some good things, and I'm I'm just working and working and working, and yet you go to bed, lay your head down, and you feel unfulfilled. Mm-hmm. You know you're working outside the watch. When you feel unfulfilled. And I will tell you many times, this has been me, and I have not noticed it, and so we have to change our verbiage, and we have to stop what we're doing, and maybe some of you need to say no to things, maybe some of you need to stop trying to do a lot of things to to occupy your your uncertainty about tomorrow, and you just need to watch and say this, where's the Lord who? Where's the Lord who? Where's the Lord who? Where is the Lord who? And as we end this morning, I want to get a little personal. I have a question for you. What are the last three things that the Lord has made possible for you? Because this in and of itself will help you verbalize the watch. Some of you, the Lord has made possible you were drowning in death. And then the the Lord gave a check. Or you didn't know what you were going to feed your family and then that meal came. Where is the Lord who gave me a meal when I thought we wouldn't eat for days? That's where you need to start speaking. Where's the Lord who led me through that divorce when I thought all hope was lost? Where's the Lord who, who when I was a child and, and my parents left and I had to go into foster care, but he guarded me. Where is the Lord who did that? Because you're going to start remembering all of the weight that he carried for you then and it's going to allow the weight now, different word, but to allow the weight now to be durable, easy to live in. You're gonna start watching and noticing it, because the Lord who provided then is providing now. Where's the Lord who? And I mean it. What I want you to do these. What are three things that the Lord has provided you with? I think that'll be really powerful, because this week that is your statement. Where's the Lord who? For me, where's the Lord who provided us the YMCA when literally January uh, of 2020 started and we had no home as a church and we were going to launch in February? Do you remember that? January happened. We had no place to launch, no place to meet, and then the Lord provided. Where's the Lord who provided a home for us? Where's the Lord who provided a home for my family? Where's the Lord who provided a school for my children when we were literally saying, we're not getting into anywhere? Because that's going to reshape my focus this week. So I remember, oh, it happens at a different time. Oh, it happens when I least expect it. Oh, it happens tenfold blessing. Oh, it happens in a way that that was really hard but sweet. Oh, it's going to push me into a community that's out of my comfort zone. Oh, it's going to be worth it. And it changes everything. God, in this place, you are here. So God, I just pray that right now as we sit in the wait, can some of the people realize that they are in the watch season? God, forgive us for every time that you have asked us uh, to be present, and we have thought we need to work. That we sowed this seed and trusting you with it, yet it comes with this—this um, this not yet, God, because I, I, it's not happening in the way I want it to. So forgive me for every time I've worked outside, where my voices of complaint have led me to actions that I regret, where I've dug out cisterns that did no providing at all. So God, catch our hearts right now. Let us speak, where's the Lord who? Forgive me for every time I point a finger. I, we come anticipating it. I thank you that that seed has not grown yet. Like I, I thank you that I cannot see anything tangibly because it's showing me that you're providing despite. And I think that we've we got to just sit in this, Lord. So today I speak, where's the Lord who? Where's the Lord who? May you be honored and glorified. May we see you in the watch and the wait. In your name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.